You're listening to the Melting Podcast. A little of everything from everyone, everywhere. With your host, A.F. Grappen. Hey there, Word Chefs. Welcome to episode 12 of the Melting Podcast. 12. Go away. We are your hosts, Aaron and... Me. Say your name. Me. Your real name. AF. Thank you. You know... No, I don't. What? Uh, Tell me. Share, know, well, you please. Know, you know what AF stands for? Anal fondling? <laughs> also French? <laughs> Attitude fixing? Arm fracture? Artificial friends? You know what? Let's just make a game out of this. Um, tweet at Melting Podcast and just send us what you think AF stands for. I know we've actually, I think we've said it before, at least part of it, but seriously, just tweet Mel- at Melting Podcast. We'll read the best ones next episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get nicknames. You have plenty. My favorite being A1. I'm saucy. Or G squared. G squared is good. Anyway, this is a main ingredient story like, you know, we promised you last month. We keep our promises. We keep our promises. Anyway, main ingredient story. It's good. I had so much fun recording this story. This is another one by our buddy Scott Roche, and we're just going to skip right to it. So here we go. Bobby and Spinell by Scott Roche. Bobby had never been a very practical boy. At least... That's what his teachers always told him. Being raised by his mom and dad to always seek the most interesting solution to any problem, rather than the easiest, probably had much to do with that. Son? Dad would say, patting Bobby's shaggy brown hair. Life is too short to treat every situation like some sort of porcelain doll. If your answer ruffles some feathers, then you're probably on the right track. If you're wrong, then just keep trying. So when the lad saw his first dragon, he took it at face value, rather than assuming he had gone off his rocker. It was at least as long as his arm, and had iridescent pink scales, not much at all like the ones he'd read about in fairy stories. His instinct was to attempt to catch it, and perhaps make it a pet. Mom and Dad had promised him a dog or a snake for his eleventh birthday, which was rapidly coming up. This would be so much more cool and provided that it wasn't a baby one likely to end up the size of a car, he didn't see why they would object. The trick was, how exactly did one catch a dragon? There was no book on his shelf that included that particular bit of information. Most of them concerned themselves with matters of killing, and that just didn't sit well with him. In addition to being impractical, Bobby also had a soft heart. Unfazed by the lack of any humane answers, he came up with his own idea. It seemed reasonable that a straightforward snare should work. He learned to make one in scouts the year before. They weren't the best option, and he knew that snares could hurt the target animal. But since he'd been keeping a close watch on the whole situation, he thought it would work well enough. He constructed the primitive trap in his backyard, near the fountain his mom built to complement her zen rock garden. He'd sighted the pink dragon there on several occasions, sunning itself. The high-test fishing line had come out of Dad's tackle box and according to the label, could hold up to a 65-pound fish. 
There was no way that the thing could weigh more than that. The line was also practically invisible against the white stone. Just to make sure, he sprinkled some white sand over it. What seemed like hours passed as he watched from the sliding glass window that looked out over the entire backyard. Mom and Dad had left him home alone for the afternoon, each pursuing their separate hobbies, confident that the boy wouldn't get into much trouble on his own. Just when he was ready to give up for the afternoon, there was a flash of movement near the top of the privacy fencing that encircled their property. It resolved into the shape of the dragon, and he watched it as it floated through the air, barely moving its fragile-looking wings. After a few circles around the area, it landed on the sturdy branch of an apple tree near the rear corner of their lawn. Exhaling the tension from his little body, he waited now for the dragon to discover the bait. He didn't know what smaller dragons ate. There was much talk in the book about virgins and that sort of thing. Figuring they were meat eaters, he had taken a can of Snowball's cat food and sat it near the snare. It smelled awful to him, but their fat white Persian loved it. The speed with which the beast moved to the can caught him off balance. Before Bobby could blink, it grabbed the can in its forelegs and flew to a perch on the fountain. Looked like it was time to take a more direct approach. He said a prayer to his guardian angels, someone had once said that a boy like him would need more than one, and opened the door slowly. Unable to disguise his presence, he climbed down the back steps, moving as slowly as the men he saw in the nature programs he watched in the evenings. The crawling pace seemed to work for them every time. On his way to the fountain, he grabbed the pool skimmer that leaned carelessly on the porch steps. He left it there just in case a net was called for. It was far from ideal. The net wasn't very big, or very strong, but it was what he had. The beast didn't pay him any mind at all. Seemingly oblivious to his approach, its snout was buried in the salmon delight. Bobby made it within ten feet when the dragon looked up, locking eyes with him. They were the color of steel, and the pupils were round like his, instead of being slitted as he had expected. There was a warm intelligence in those eyes. Easy, boy. I won't hurt you, Bobby said in a clear, quiet voice. He didn't know if the thing was male or not, but this was how he had been taught to talk to stray dogs. Of course, he had also been taught not to try and catch them. The little monster, if such a thing could be so called, reared back on its haunches. Its belly was as white as the stones of Mom's garden. It said, If that's the case, then you need to put down the net. Bobby's jaw seemed to unhinge. You can talk? In the back of his mind, he knew that he shouldn't be surprised. Some dragons could talk in the stories, after all. Then again, this was not a story. It suddenly all seemed very real. At this distance, the little details of the dragon's scales jumped out at him. He noticed the half-inch-long claws that tipped its toes, six on each of its four feet. Equally sharp-looking teeth that somehow avoided impeding its speech filled its mouth. Any of those could be very dangerous to a young man with nothing more than a pool net. It nodded, putting down the can. Of course I can talk. The deep crimson forked tongue flicked out and snatched a crumb of cat food from its snout. And if you want to keep talking, then put down the net. If not, I'll fly off and you won't ever see me again. Oh, Bobby didn't want that. He didn't want that at all. He instantly dropped the net as though it were on fire. I wasn't going to hurt you or anything. I just wanted to get a good close look. 
His voice took on a slightly defensive edge. The metallic eyes flicked to where the snare lay. The trap that you laid for me would make you guilty of attempted dragon napping. That doesn't make it more likely that I'll stick around. Its voice was light and airy, yet still carried a commanding tone. I'm sorry. I just... Bobby took a step forward. Stay where you are, boy, the dragon said sternly. Let us talk for a little while, and maybe then a friendship will be possible. I am called Spinel. Who are you? Bobby. Bobby Stewart. Nice to meet you, Spinel, he said, suddenly remembering his manners. Spinel took another bite of the cat food and chewed thoughtfully. The bait you chose is really good, Bobby. It was a long flight from my home, and I was starving. I'm glad you liked it. He looked back at the house and then returned his gaze to Spinel. I can get you more. Maybe he could get the dragon to come inside. Any thought of capturing it, him, was gone now, but the notion that it could still somehow be kept wouldn't let go. No thanks, this is good. He licked the can clean and dropped it to the grass below. Bobby moved slowly, realizing that it probably wasn't necessary, but still not wanting to spook Spinel. He picked up the cat food can and held it gingerly. He could feel the series of scratches on its outside. Where are you from? The look on Spinel's face shifted. Reading his expression was practically impossible, but his oddly human eyes made it easier. They looked like Dad's eyes right before he told a joke that Bobby wouldn't understand. Let's just say I had to avoid some satellites on the way here. Space? Had the dragon come here from another planet? This just kept getting better and better. You really have come a long way. Bobby cocked his head, not firmly convinced that he wasn't being played with. Adults tended to do that with kids. Why not dragons? Wait. If you're from space, why don't our satellites see you? Before his fascination with dragons had begun, he'd read everything he could find on satellites. Spinel crossed his forelegs and rested his pointed muzzle on them. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. Bobby, when you grow up, you'll realize that adults didn't tell you everything they knew. The words were weighty with experience. He reckoned that that was the truth. His parents weren't ones for lying. He'd known about Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny long before any of his classmates. Of course, he thought he had known the truth about dragons, too. Bobby nodded as sagely as any almost 11-year-old could and said no more. Spinel cleared his throat slightly. <clears throat> Now, Bobby, as you probably know, our races have gone back and forth for generations, causing a great deal of terror on both sides. Bobby continued the nod, caught a little off guard from the change of subject. He recovered quickly and thought, at least as far as books were concerned, it would seem that dragons were far more terrible than humans. He thought better of pointing that out. The time has come, though, for us to make peace with you and take our place in our rightful home. Our home away from home is nice, especially this time of year. But we belong here. Spinel stretched his spine, rather like a cat. So, uh, a group of us have been sent to find people who will be able to help. You are one such person. Bobby's heart felt like it had been ruptured by an influx of joy. Suddenly the bottom dropped out of his stomach. How could he help dragons? He was just a kid. Granted, both of his parents assured him that he was very special, but the older he got, the more he was sure that this was one exaggeration that every parent, even his, fed their children. 
A look of concern, indistinguishable to humans from any other dragonly look, crossed Spinel's features. Are you all right, Bobby? You look a little green. He shrugged and looked at the ground. I guess so, Spinel. The dragon's name felt odd in his mouth, exotic and yet a perfect fit. It's just that, well, why me? Spinel leaped off of the branch, causing Bobby to fear for a split second that his new friend was leaving. He relaxed when the creature landed lightly on the ground in front of him. Well, Bobby? The dragon walked to within inches of Bobby's toes and looked up into the boy's eyes. I'd like to tell you that it's because of something inside you. A sharp exhalation, and the dragon breathed a cloud of metallic purple motes into his face. It felt like Bobby had been forced to inhale glitter. He coughed, a racking, <laughs> retching thing, but nothing came out. His head felt all spinny, like that time he'd gotten laughing gas at the dentist. But that quickly passed, replaced by a boost of energy. What? What did you do? Bobby was scared, but at the same time he felt fine. Spinel seemed to smile. Now it is because of something inside you. Don't panic, boy. Think of it as winning a sort of lottery. Thanks to my gift, you and I will be working together for a long time to come. But... But what if I don't want to work with you? Spinel cocked his head. Well, that's just dumb. We've studied your kind. He shook his head then, stopping himself. This is the very thing any human boy would want. Bobby's face softened from the glitter-induced grimace. I don't mean to hurt your feelings, Spinel. I mean, I'm sure that almost any other boy would be more than willing to accept your gifts. Spinel's form shimmered a little, and he seemed to grow a little larger, his color darkening. Idiotic. We're linked now. A piece of me is inside you. It can't be undone, so you may as well get used to having me around. Now this attitude seemed familiar to Bobby. It fit both the character of a great number of adults he knew, and that of most dragons he had read about. Had Bobby been practical, even for a young boy now paired with a dragon, whatever that meant, he may have believed that there was nothing to be done. Any reasonable boy would resign himself to what was... After all, not necessarily an unpleasant fate. That just wasn't in his character, though. He set his jaw and spread his feet wide apart. I'm sorry, sir. His tone changed to the adamantly stubborn, though grudgingly respectful tone he used on friends of his parents that he didn't care for. Especially when they asked him to do something like go away and play in the street. I'm afraid I can't do that. If you don't undo whatever it was that you've done to me, then I'm going to tell my dad. A musical tinkling that seemed both far off and right next door registered just at the edge of Bobby's hearing. It seemed that Spinel may have also heard something as his head twitched up and his eyes scanned the sky. After a split second, he focused his gaze back on Bobby, a new intensity in those gray metallic orbs. The dragon's scales flashed crimson, and now he was quite a bit larger. He was no longer what you would call fragile-looking, Leathery wings flapped and claws dug into the soil of Bobby's yard. The dragon was easily the size of Mr. Robinson's German Shepherd. His breath was hot and stinking. Foolish boy, you'll do what you're told. In any case, you have no choice. Name-calling's not very nice, Spinel. I've been nice to you, haven't I? And I mean I know you don't like me saying no. But you're not being very... very reasonable. That was a word he'd often heard when Mom and Dad were fighting. It seemed to fit well enough. The transformed Spinel didn't look reasonable at all. 
A voice, like a choir of silver chimes, filled the air. You're right, Bobby. Spinel isn't being very reasonable. The dragon's head whipped around, focusing his vision on a spot about ten feet up in the air. What are you doing here? His earlier commanding tone was deflated. Bobby looked, trying hard to see what Spinel was staring at. There wasn't anything there. Or was there? He could almost see a disturbance like the way the air shimmered above hot blacktop. Who's there? The shimmer solidified into a monstrous reptile at least five times Spinel's size. Its color was a blued steel, dark and subtly metallic. Its armored hide had more spikes and protrusions than the smaller dragon. Bobby hadn't been that afraid up until now, but there was no way not to be afraid of this creature. It took everything he had in his little body to remain standing. You may call me Timbrel. The broad head moved almost like a snake, fluidly swiveling to take in Spinel. I am the parent of this one. A small part of Bobby felt sorry for Spinel. He wondered if the smaller dragon found its parent as terrifying as he did, or if it was no different than Bobby felt for his own mom or dad. Bobby nodded, his tongue sticking to the roof of his mouth. Spinel, you did not have the authority to do this thing. You have moved too early and put this child and us in danger. Timbrel looked back at Bobby. You have our apologies. Not mine. Spinel cut through Timbrel's speech, interrupting in a tone that wasn't quite sulking. He too looked back at the boy. Where before there had been authority, now the dragon's eyes pleaded. Silence. Eyes the size of hubcaps moved to glance sidelong at Spinel. You will speak when spoken to. The eyes locked again with Bobby's. The look in them was alien, but there was a hint of kindness, or so Bobby liked to think. He was quickly learning to read those eyes. Maybe the little bit of Spinel that was now a part of him helped. Timbrel continued. As I was saying, you have our... Timbrel emphasized the word. Apologies. This was too early. It is not just your people that are not yet ready for our return. It seems that there are those among us that need to learn patience. Bobby nodded again and spoke, though his vocal cords sounded rusty. Thank you, sir. Meh. Uh, Timbrel? He hadn't often gotten into any real trouble with his parents, but the times he did were memorable. He now had a sense of kinship with Spinel. I guess he didn't mean any harm. He was just trying to help, wasn't he? Yes, Bobby. But as with your race, this sort of thing is better left to adults. The huge blued lizard looked into the sky as though he were gauging something. Now is the time for us to go. He looked back at Spinel. We will discuss this further once we return home. He looked at Bobby one last time, squinting at him. There's nothing to discuss. Nothing permanent happened. Yes, there was definitely a plea in Spinel's eyes. We just talked a little, right, Bobby? Bobby felt the gaze nearly penetrate him. He guessed adults must be the same whether they were human or not. They almost never gave kids any credit for having brains of their own. That's right. He looked up at Timbrel, feeling the fear drain away. We just talked a little. Timbrel's eyes narrowed. My son wasn't entirely right about you, Bobby. 
There is something in you of note. Perhaps when we return, if it is within your lifetime, we will inquire with you to see how you have changed. You may well be of use to us. Without waiting for an answer, Timbrel vanished, and Spinel wasn't far behind him, a look of relief in the adolescent dragon's eyes. Bobby stood there for several minutes. There were no thoughts running through his head, at least not on the surface. He let the cool breeze dry his clammy skin and watched as the depression where the dragon stood filled in. Some remnant of their magic, so far as he could tell, repaired the broken and twisted blades of grass. Finally, there was no outside evidence that they were ever here. He knew they had been, though. He could feel something stirring in his chest. As Bobby walked towards his back porch, there was a swagger in his step that hadn't been there before. A new confidence filled him up. Part of it had to do with the knowledge that if he wanted to, he could likely summon a dragon. That was a feat no other ten-year-old he knew could lay claim to. Most of it, though, came from the sure knowledge that there was something inside him of note. Scott Roche craves only caffeine and the clacking of keys. He pays his bills doing the grunt work no one else wants to take, bringing dead electronics back to life, and working arcane wonders with software. His true passion is hammering out words that become anything from tales that terrify to futuristic worlds of wonder. All that and turning three children into a private mercenary army make for a life filled with adventure. So, it's May. Guess what happens at the end of this month, listeners? June begins. What else happens at the end of this month, <laughs> listeners? Um, Balticon! For those of you who don't know, Balticon is a science fiction fantasy convention. It takes place over Memorial Weekend near Baltimore. <laughs> Not actually in Baltimore. Which is good, because traffic sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but the Aaron and I will be there. Ooh, I am the Aaron. Well, there aren't any other Aarons, at least not on this show. Oh, well, yes, this is true. We will have our portable recording studio. Ooh, it's not a big, it's not a box. No, but I plan to get some interviews, uh, record some panels for your entertainment, so we'll have some stuff when we come back. And if you're going to be there... Be ready to talk for us. Uh, oh, yeah. Seriously. I'll buy you a drink if you'll give me an interview. We'll be the ones wearing glasses. Well, I might not be. I'll be the one wearing glasses. Yeah. I'll be the one wearing a corset. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, we're going to Balticon. We'll see you there, we hope. Here's a promo. What are you doing for Memorial Day weekend this year? I've got the best working vacation planned ever. I'll be sitting on a panel talking about social media promotion. I am hanging out with my friends from all over the country and even across the globe. I'm hitting up several of the writing panels, anything that involves superpowers, but also that gritty sci-fi thriller vibe. I am going to be hanging out with the largest collection of podcasters in America. I'm probably going to kill someone. Sigler! No. Bad author. Bad. There will be at least one writing morning at the nearby Panera. I hear it's where all of the cool folks go for coffee. I'm spreading myself far too thin and going on both a podcasting track and the literary track. So where am I spending this amazing weekend? 
at Balticon. I'm going to 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 Balticon. Shouldn't you be going too? That's Balticon, the Maryland Regional Science Fiction and Fantasy Convention, held Memorial Day weekend each year. For more information, go to Balticon.org. And we are back. I hope you enjoyed that promo because we selected it especially for you. Yeah, you. Yeah. On the left. Hi. We see you there. Nice hat. And now it's time to remind you, because you need reminding, you're naughty children, and you're not sending us nearly enough stuff. If you have already sent us something, thank you. Send more. Exactly. So our current prompts, just in case you don't know, which you should, naughty children, but just in case. Our current active prompts are, a company has just received an order of fledges. They did not order these. That's prompt number four. Prompt number five is something in the bathroom is your character's spiritual leader or confidant. Criteria for these stoke the fire prompts. 1,500 words or less. Email it to us. Pretty easy. So send us stoke the fires. We always enjoy them. Send us main ingredients. We like those too, but we like stoke the fires better. I like stoke the fires better. Send us funny tweets. Send us funny tweets. We'll see you at Balticon. You better be there. I mean it. So we're going to sign off and actually, you know, start packing for Balticon. So from all of us here at the Melting Podcast, send us stuff and we'll use it to feed the masses. Thank you for listening to the Melting Podcast. You can find our website with submission guidelines and current prompts at themeltingpodcast.com. Find us on Twitter at Melting Podcast or email us at themeltingpodcast at gmail.com. The Melting Podcast is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means you're free to copy it and share it, as long as you don't change it, don't sell it, and always link back to the website. Sound effects are from the Free Sound Project, and the music is by Drew Rich Creek. <laughs>